is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hello, 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 hello. Thanks for joining me for episode 389. We're almost up to 400 episodes. Yay! Episode 389 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the cookie creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link that you probably don't need. Do you need a link to Teresa Reed, the tarot lady? Because I feel like you all already love her and are following her on Twitter and Instagram. You probably already own at least one copy of the tarot coloring book. She's here today to talk about a new book she has coming out this summer called Tarot for Troubled Times. And we also get into talking a little bit about another book she has coming out this fall called astrology for real life. Yes, she is a very busy witch. So I'm super excited to get into that. We had an awesome conversation. But before we get to that, I got a little bit of rambling to do. I got some things I want to say. First and foremost, I have to thank the amazing, magical people who are supporting the podcast over on Patreon. Thank you to anyone who has ever supported Hippie Witch on Patreon. I appreciate you all, but a special shout out goes out this week to Megan Meachin, Sage Vermont. You've circled back around, Sage. Hello. Hello, Sage. Thank you. Karen Young and Tweety. Tweety, you're back. Yay. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. It really means a lot to me. I hope that you're enjoying all the bonus content over there. For anybody who doesn't know, I post every weekend on Patreon. I I have four different shows that I do every weekend there, and then I usually do like some bonus content if it's like a five-week month. Sometimes I just throw extras in just because. Like at the top of this month, I started the month with the video. With the video, because I haven't made a video in a minute. So I'm having a lot of fun doing that. The other things I wanted to mention are you all, other other magical people living magical lives. I'm really excited that I'm back to doing interviews on the show. I love to shine a light on people who are creating the kick-ass life of their dreams, so to speak. But I also really like having friends on the show or people that don't have a book deal or aren't famous. I really love like dragging them onto the show. And I just got to meet up with a listener of the podcast, wrote to me and said that she was riding her bike cross-country and was going to be in L.A. for a few days and would like to buy me a cup of coffee. (laughs) I typically will try to meet up with people unless I get a scary, weird vibe, which I never do because hippie witch listeners are awesome. But if I can, if I can finagle the time, I usually try to meet up with people and I've, I've been able to meet so many awesome people through the podcast. So I got to meet up with her and 
she blew my mind so much so that I found myself like interviewing her. We were just supposed to meet up for coffee and I ended up interviewing her basically and then being like, you need to come on the podcast. She's a 25 year old woman who has solo all by herself been riding her bike across country across the United States for two and a half months now. I think she took off work for four months to ride her bike across the country alone. Her name is Joni Griffith. She is a violinist and an opera singer, but she's also in a band called Bella Yaga, and she has a YouTube channel called Broadway Biker, where she drives around, drives, is that the correct way to say it? Rides around on her bicycle singing (laughs) like show tunes and she's a beautiful singer she really is an opera singer Uh, but she's super like cool and hip and young and interesting and I was like yeah yeah this is what it is to create the kick-ass life of your dreams so I'm dragging her onto the show as as soon as her her bike riding is over and then today I'm recording this let's see It's 7.34 p.m. Wednesday, and this will probably go up on a Thursday. But today, I also got to meet up with the lovely Sarah Jackson, (laughs) who I hang out now with almost every morning on Discord, weekday mornings. I've been hanging out with my Patreon friends, and Sarah is one of them. And so it's funny that we're, like, starting our day, like, 8 o'clock in the morning. I show up in Discord just to say hey, and everybody's like, have a good day. We post little gifs and memes and talk about what we're doing for the day. It's really fun to finally get to put a face to the personality that you've gotten to know on the Internet. So I got to have breakfast this morning with her and the hubs and her two adorable kids, two of her kids. She's got more. And they brought golf balls for my son. So basically, I have the best job ever because I get to meet you people. You people that are listening right now. I get to read your amazing emails about your life. And I've been back on Instagram. I've, I've mentioned this, but I'm doing a picture a day. Once a day in the morning, I post one picture which is funny, it's actually surprisingly challenging to pick what that picture will be because I like to take a lot of pictures, you know, wherever I go. And it's funny to see what, what people respond to and what people are like, eh. And, <laughs> and then I have now I have this huge backlog of pictures, especially of like Big Sur. And I'm like, heck, I'm just going to throw Big Sur picture in there like every once in a while just because I love it. Um, but anyway. I've been hanging out there, and I came across a couple of people's stories that I thought would be fun to share on the podcast. Um, One is a woman named, where is she? Laura in Wonderland. Where did I put this? Oh, so this is so beautiful. This is the kind of stuff I love. To me, this is... This is magic. This is creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. She posted a really beautiful photo of herself. I will link to this so you can check out Laura in Wonderland. And she said, about four years ago, I decided I didn't want to be miserable anymore. I began down a path of self-discovery and repair, beginning with practicing meditation after years of brushing off the practice as not enough to deal with my perceived anxiety. After getting immediate results, yay for instant gratification, I started to incorporate other woo-woo shit into my life. I began to practice the law of attraction and try to reprogram my brain to dwell on only things of a positive nature. Hard at first, but oh so pivotal. 
I tried to enjoy the warmth of the water on my hand instead of being irritated that I was bathing my child for the third time that day. I tried to really be present in my day instead of worrying about later. I even made a vision board for for all the things that sparked joy in my heart, some of which have come to chillingly accurate fruition. Basically, I was so desperate for change that I was willing to give anything a try that might improve my quality of life. Nevertheless, I definitely hit some of the proverbial bumps along said path, but all these seemingly silly practices were working. And then... Sometime, maybe last week, I realized all the things I had been working toward, praying for, asking the universe for, had come to be in my life. Perhaps I aimed a little too low at first, but now, instead of waking up with a general sense of dread, life is easy. It's filled with love and life and abundance and positive change. Change. Change that I can proudly claim that I myself even if it took four years and counting, change change that I made myself. I'm so stoked about the coming year and being the best possible version of myself. That resonated so strongly for me, especially the part when she said that she used to wake up with a sense of dread. I am a person that used to, every day of my life, wake up with like a crushing sense of dread not wanting to get out of bed in the morning. And I'm telling you, more often than not, I literally wake up with a smile on my face because of all of this stuff that I'm always talking about in my ebooks and my programs and here on the show. Like it works. It's all so corny. <laughs> it's so it seems so corny. It seems like bullshit. I'm telling you, it works. So I was just really excited to read her story. And then another woman um, on Instagram whose story I came across, it was, I'm a sucker for floor plans. I have a thing for houses, and I love looking at floor plans. And Pirate Jenny posted a picture of a floor plan, so it got my attention. And she said, the universe kept throwing obstacles in our way for the apartment we were going to rent right up to Friday when I was supposed to drop off the security deposit. I had an appointment and they forgot. So today we went hunting and found a place that was much bigger with a basement and an attached two-car garage and get this, available on the day we had scheduled our movers for. And I know from from emailing back and forth with her behind the scenes that it's even more magical. There were even more synchronicities involved than that. But her particular post gave me hope (laughs) because you may have heard me talking about like, oh, you know, the kid and I, we may end up losing the place we live because our landlord wants to sell it. And the way that it all worked out for Pirate Jenny and her family gives me a lot of hope. And even more than that, it's about fortifying my faith to to focus on examples like that faith that things things will work out if you're open if you're open to receiving like little gifts from the universe like that i'm a person that believes that you absolutely can nurture and develop beliefs on purpose which means that you can nurture and develop faith on on purpose And one of the best ways to do that is to collect evidence, which is partly why I'm reading some of this to you today, because I'm I'm just sharing the evidence of just everyday people being awesome, making it happen for themselves. And 
and all the interesting ways that the universe surprises us with little goodies here and there. And then the, the last thing like this I wanted to share with you is Alora Rain, on, and I'll definitely link to this as well. I can just probably sh- tell you this in her own words because this is another thing I cut and pasted. But for those of you who don't know, back in the day on YouTube, the YouTube witch was Tiptoe Chick. We all loved Tiptoe Chick. She had a huge following, just a really authentic, fun, interesting, down-to-earth woman that I think we all pretty much adored. And I actually got to interview her back when I was doing interviews on YouTube. I got to interview her. I should maybe turn that into a podcast here just for the fun of it, just to to have it on the Hippie Witch show. But she, last Halloween, passed away. She got in a car accident and passed away, and it really rocked the witchy community because it was just a shocking loss for our community. And the first really big one like that and and plus she was young and she was a mom with kids and you know it was a big deal. So this caught my eye on Instagram. There's a t-shirt that says Tiptoe Chick is my Dumbledore and it has a little cartoon of Tiptoe Chick riding a broom and it's on Alora Rain's Instagram and this is what she had to say. Witches Witches in the Woods was created by myself and Krista Laughlin because we both regretted that we never were able to follow through on our plans to travel and meet our friend Dee before her passing. Dee is is what many people who knew Tiptoe Chick called her. Her name was Dolores, but, but friends called her Dee. We wanted to make sure we never passed up on an opportunity to meet the people we have formed bonds with in the online spiritual community, and so created the idea that once a year we would choose a location and host a campout where members of the spiritual community could meet in person and create magical memories. At the same time, we also decided we wanted to give back to the online community in some way, and so created the Tiptoe Chick Memorial Fund, which will benefit those in the spiritual community in time of urgent need the shirts you see above and there's links to shirts that's why i'll just i'll just link to the instagram post because there's i think three different shirts that it leads to the shirts you see above were created by melanie malsbury for the purpose of raising funds to pay for their camp and to go towards the memorial fund 100 of the profits from any tiptoe shirt sold goes directly to the memorial fund Profit from the Witches in the Woods shirts goes to fund camp with the leftover going into the memorial fund. Any help is greatly appreciated, and we hope that we are honoring her memory properly and making her smile wherever she may be. I think you guys are definitely making her smile. Do you all, anybody who, who loved Dee, do you remember when she raised money? She wanted to raise money, I think it was for a hospital, maybe? If I'm remembering correctly, it was it was for a hospital. She raised money through her YouTube channel from the pagan community, and then she videotaped herself going to the hospital and donating the money in the name of the pagan community. Like you know, like often people donate in the name of Jesus, the name of their church, the name of all these organizations. And here was like this spooky witchy woman going in and donating in the name of pagans. It reminds me of some freeways here in California 
that are sponsored by atheists. And like you drive by and the sign is like, this freeway is sponsored and kept clean by atheists, you know, who care about the environment. If you grew up in a family like I did, like atheists are very, very bad. <laughs> so it's, it's, it gives me a little thrill to drive by a sign like that. The same way it gave me a thrill to see Dee going into the hospital and doing something generous and beautiful in the name of pagans. Because it helps to break the stigma that people, some people, some communities still have attached to like what is a pagan. And so I just really appreciated that. And I wanted to share some links with you all this time and give a shout out to, you know, various people in the community who are doing awesome, awesome things. So for this interview, too, with Teresa, I know you're going to love it. It's a long one. These these are kind of long. Have you noticed my episodes are getting longer? It's because I like to ramble in the beginning because I've decided On Patreon, I'm going to do more like solo content where I'm doing tutorials and I'm talking about magic. And then I want the public podcast to be more focused on interviews, although I do have a solo show coming up. But also, I know a lot of you enjoy following along with my journey. And I asked you if you like the ramblers or rambling or not. Quite a few of you wrote to me to say, I love the rambling. Do the rambling, Joe. So here I am. <laughs> For those of you who hate it, you haven't told me yet. So so forgive me. But uh, the interview with Teresa is awesome because Teresa is awesome. But there is one moment, not because of her, but because of me, that made me a little bit uncomfortable. It's because I keep wanting to talk about... I couldn't not talk about diversity with Teresa because that's a focus of hers. And the book Tarot for Troubled Times is talking about like the times we're living in. And I got off on this subject about like diversity and how we're seeing like people of color, for example, being represented in in new ways that I wasn't used to growing up. Like I grew up in an all white community. I know like on I can count on one hand the different black kids, for example, from my elementary school, high school, junior, not high school, high school, it started getting more diverse. But junior high, I can't I don't know, like I can think of a couple kids. I can think of one for most of my elementary school and then a second one that came in in fifth and sixth grade as a foreign exchange student. And I can't think of any in my church. And my church is like my home away from home. We were in church all the time. So I just grew up super, super, super white, Christian, Mennonite brethren, Republican. <laughs> like it was just so specific and limited. But at the same time, this was what was being reflected back at me through the majority of the media, like magazines affirmed this perspective that I was being raised in. And and sure, like there were TV shows like um, Sesame Street and Fat Albert when I was a little kid and then and the Jeffersons. And then when I got a little bit older, the Cosby show and fame. I loved fame. I <laughs> I had big city aspirations when I was a little kid. So fame was especially super, super special to me. But I, I would see like as a kid, I would mostly see just my white whiteness confirmed and reflected back at me. And I was aware, this is what was really weird. Like I was aware that we were privileged. 
I don't know if that's normal, if we're all aware, but I definitely had an awareness of it. And I, I saw like the inequality when I was a very little kid. And then when I remember just this shift happening, I think it was really, I guess, with, when the internet came in, where this democracy started happening, an artistic democracy, and more people started having a voice in politics, like the beauty standards started changing. You can really look at like the fashion runways and magazines of recent seasons and start to see people of color, people of different body shapes and sizes and different ages, which I'm extremely happy to see showing up. And, and this is something that was reflected in tarot cards forever. As far as I know, tarot cards were just like white people, <laughs> like going back decades and decades. And now that self-publishing, independent publishing is such a thing. And there are these really talented artistic people producing tarot decks. We're starting to see more diversity show up so much so that it's just like an abundance of it all of a sudden the transgender community is being represented in a in a not just a new way like the first time where they're not the punchline of a joke the lgbtq community i can remember when if there was a gay man in a movie or a tv show that odds were that that they were the punchline to a joke and now their love stories, their personal stories are being told with the respect and the humanity that they deserve. And when I can, I definitely can remember there being no women like superheroes except for like Wonder Woman in her little bathing suit, you know, <laughs> and it's just interesting to see now. Well, first of all, we had the country's first black president, which was pretty significant, but now we're having like black superheroes kicking ass, women kicking ass. We're seeing women entering politics. To me, and maybe this is a limited perspective, I don't know, but I'm seeing a lot of diversity happening. I myself struggle to keep up with what is politically correct. What am I allowed to say? What am I not allowed to say? So that is why I'm bringing this up before the interview, just to let you know, like, I am super awkward white girl. Who knows if what I'm saying is appropriate? I'm just excited about the diversity. I'm trying to chime in on a conversation <laughs> that makes me feel a little awkward and goofy and maybe like I'm putting my foot in my mouth, but please just know it comes from a really joyful place. I'm just excited to see everybody being included now in all of these different arenas. I think it's, I think it's good for all of us. I think it just expands. It expands our vision of what humanity is and it allows us like the full spectrum the full spectrum, which I think is the point. Like we're that's why we're such a diverse species as humans, you know? It's really weird that for a long time only like one special type was chosen and presented in the media primarily. I understand that there, you know, there was Sanford and Sons and the Jeffersons and the Cosby show and good times. I, I get that, but they were the minority. They were always the minority, these these shows. Or we had Beverly Johnson, and then we had Naomi Campbell, and then we had Alec Weck. 
Why do I know their names? Because they were the one black girl of their time back in the day, you know, of like when supermodels were happening. Now there's so many. And 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 we used to have, you know, like one tarot deck, one tarot deck. And this was not too long ago, one tarot deck with people of color in it. And now there are many to choose from. That's pretty cool. Now LGBTQ people are being represented with tarot decks because guess what they're making them for themselves they're making them for themselves so that's that's how that's how two two white women ended up talking about diversity in this interview so please enjoy Teresa Reed is a total blast I'm sure you're gonna love this without any further ado here she is the tarot lady hi Teresa welcome back to hippie witch Hi, Joanna. Thank you so much for having me again. Yay! It's been a minute. I'm really excited to get to talk to you again. I'm excited to talk to you, too. So I am ready to go. I've got my tea. The cat is finally out of the room. I'm, like, totally set. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) There's so much to catch up on with you. I sat down to try to, like, organize my thoughts, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that because... I have a feeling this conversation will just end up going off in a lot of interesting directions because you are such an interesting person. So let's just fly by the seat of our pants and see where it takes us. I'm all about that. I'm a Gemini. We love to talk about just about anything in under the sun. So. Oh my God. And you do so many things. It's fabulous. Uh, and I, let's, let's start with Tarot for Troubled Times, which is maybe my favorite book cover ever. I just think it's gorgeous. Well, the um, person, my co-author, Shaheen Miro, actually designed the cover. Oh, I I was completely new to him until you introduced me to him. I just followed him on Instagram. Shaheen Miro is one of the most magical people in the world, and I think everybody should be following him. He is like, he's a young reader. He's super talented. He's a designer. He's got a great aesthetic. He's compassionate. He's kind. I mean, to me, he is like the ultimate human being. And I'm just so grateful that him and I are friends and we're able to work together. So, yeah, everybody should get to know Shaheen. I think he's he's magical. How did you two decide to write this book? How did you guys meet and come up with this idea for it's tarot for troubled times? And it's not out yet, but it's coming out soon. Very soon. So what ended up happening is we met online and we were really friendly online, you know, for probably a couple of years. And when my first book, tarot, the tarot coloring book came out, um, I ended up going to Ohio. He's in Cincinnati for, as part of my book tour. And I thought, well, first of all, I wanted to go to Cincinnati because there's a friend down there that I wanted to have dinner with. Uh, and I base all my travel around where I'm going to eat. But I also thought, you know, nobody really goes to Cincinnati. I never hear any, anyone go in there. So I'm just going to go to Cincinnati. Screw it. And so I went there and I didn't know that he lived there and he showed up at the, at the book signing. And, you know, when we met in person, we just hit it off like a house on fire. And so we started talking then regularly. We're like, we need to do something together. And so we ended up teaching a class called Tarot for Troubled Times right after the election. Because the last election, we both found that there were a lot of people who were really freaking out, really, you know, stressing. And, you know, by the way, that happens every election. 
for me at least. Every election that uh, happens, there's always people in my audience or in my um, office or in my uh, tarot business who show up and they're freaking out. It doesn't matter what side wins, the losing side always is freaking out. So we're talking this, about the, the presidential election. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the last election, you know, it seemed like a lot of people were even more upset about things. And there was also a lot of other things going on in the world. You know, we've got this op- opioid crisis. I lost a friend through that recently. And so, you know, I just noticed also that I had people coming into my office dealing with some really heavy stuff. And so Shaheen and I decided to teach a class called Tarot for Troubled Times. And so we taught the class, and we really loved teaching together. And a publisher reached out to us and asked if we would be interested in turning it into a book. And that's how the book came together. And, of course, you said yes, because here we are. Yes, and of course, it's an excuse to work with Shaheen, so I will probably say yes to anything with Shaheen because I love working with him so much. That is that is so beautiful to hear. I love when people just kind of follow the synchronicities of life, like your story really demonstrates, and then look what it can turn into, you know? Like, you two, the Internet's amazing, for one thing. Like, you and I should not even be speaking right now. <laughs> you're, right? Right? You're on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast, and it's pretty incredible. Well, I'm actually in the Midwest, but, you know, oh, still you a bit far. Yeah, I'm in Milwaukee. But it, it really is interesting because, for me, the Internet has opened me up to a whole new world and it's opened me up to so many people like yourself and Shaheen and like my friend Bree Saucy, you know, we've been on the internet and we've been partnering up and working together for six years. So it would have never happened without the internet. So I'm all about this technology stuff. On the book cover for Tarot for Troubled Times, I thought it'd be really fun to break this down. It says, confront your shadow, Mm-hmm. heal yourself and transform the world. So do you mind if we just take that one at a time and just kind of expand yeah. on it a little bit? So so confront your shadow. What does it mean to confront your shadow? So the shadow side is that, you know, the side of ourselves that we don't like to show to the world. It's the side that, you know, for everybody's got a shadow, um, you know, that we're taught at a very early age of certain things you're not supposed to do. Like I was always taught you're not supposed to lose your temper. Um, good girls don't do that. And so I actually have a, I like to say a ferocious anger issue. And it's been tempered over the years by wisdom and old age and lots of uh, meditation. But, you know, when I was younger, I had an extremely volatile side to me. And uh, I, I got a lot of shame around that. So I ended up stuffing a lot of my anger. And it would always then come out in really inappropriate ways. So that's an example of the shadow. You know, everybody's got a certain thing. There's often a lot of shame around it that we really don't want to face. So, you know, we want to put this image out to the world, um, kind of like those Instagram lives, right? Where we're showing the best part of ourselves. We're hiding those parts of ourselves that we think are ugly. But the shadow really longs to be acknowledged. And so the the work with the shadow work is really about going into those places within yourself that maybe you don't like, maybe that make you uncomfortable, that you don't want to show to the world, and really getting in there and doing some healing around it. Because, you know, when you heal the shadow or make friends with it, because, you know, healing sometimes is just about that, you're able to show up in the world more authentically and better and healthier. And that impacts so many other areas of your life. So our concept behind the shadow thing is let's make friends with that part of yourself right now that's not that's maybe hidden, that's maybe 
filled with shame because that's going to be the first step to getting you in a good place. Mm-hmm. So what for you has been the light side of anger? What has, how has that empowered you? You know, because to me, it's a mistake to go in and thinking that you are going to conquer the shadow or you're going to heal it away. It's not about getting rid of it. It's about embracing it. Right. And like I said, like making friends with it, you know, when I teach meditation, one of the things I always tell with my yoga students or my meditation students, they're like, Oh, I can't call my mind down. I'm like, that's not what this is all about. It's about making friends with yourself. And it's the same with shadow work. It is about going there, accepting it, embracing it, making friends with it and working on healing it. And healing doesn't always look like it's going to be done. So for me, one of the things that I find with anger where it's really useful, it's, it's fuel. When I'm angry, well, it propels me oftentimes into action when it's channeled properly. Like a lot of times for anger for me, if I see an injustice, for example, rather than sitting back and say, oh, gee, I'm not going to do anything. Well, I'm going to go and I'm going to get involved. I'm going to show up and I'm going to, that's like righteous anger. Or sometimes anger is really essential for setting boundaries. You know, that's the other thing with anger. When somebody, I'm not a turn the other cheek type of girl. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not one of those people. I'm not someone who's going to turn the cheek. I'm not going to play meek. I'm not somebody who's going to fake forgiveness for the sake of forgiveness. If I'm pissed, if you've done something to violate my boundaries, you're going to know about it. Because getting angry when it's appropriate is a way, again, to set boundaries. It's a way to protect yourself. Now, what's not appropriate? Me losing my damn temper over nothing and going completely ballistic in the household and taking something out on my husband, that's not good. And I actually did that a couple of weeks ago. So I'm going to say that right here. Um, what the, I don't even Thank remember. Thank you. What, Thank you yeah. for saying that. Thank you. Well, people don't want to, they also want to put on like those Instagram lives and I'm not one of those people. I'm, you know, what you see is what you get and some people get turned off by that, but I, I can't fake my personality. So what ended up happening is I got really ticked off about something I can't even really fully remember what it was. I got to tell you, Joanna, I came upstairs. I was going nuts. I was like yelling and carrying on. And I mean, I haven't gotten that mad in a long time. And it was ridiculous. It was out of line. It was inappropriate. And my poor husband, who just had his toe surgery, is looking at me almost like scared. And he says, I've never seen you hate on something that hard. And I caught myself and I'm like, Oh my God, Teresa, what is this all about? I remember what it was. I had said yes to something that I shouldn't have said yes to, and I got really overwhelmed. Yes. And that's what did it. And I told my husband, I said, this is like a wake-up. Why am I getting this angry, and why am I freaking out? When I'm getting angry because I agreed to something that I shouldn't have, I did not follow my boundaries or my intuition around this, and now I'm mad at myself. So I have to go remedy this. And the first thing, of course, is to apologize to my husband for really going ballistic And then I had to calm myself down, cool myself down, really say, it's okay that you felt like that. Now let's go deal with the problem. And then I just went and dealt with the issue and quit the situation. And I felt 100% better. Yes. I'm really full of admiration for people like yourself who are, to me, you're a leader in the spiritual community. And it doesn't serve the community to pretend like you are this ascended master of awesomeness 24 seven. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. serve people. They need to be able to relate. And, and then what's beautiful about it is there's a whole 
almost the three act structure. Like this thing happened. Here's what, you know, here's how I dealt with it. And here's Mm -hmm. how it was resolved. That demonstrates how people can do this kind of work beyond reading tarot for troubled times. You're living it. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing is you can't airbrush your life. You can't. You can try to airbrush your life. That's not healthy. And I always find that people who put on these really big acts to be the most boring people. You know, if you've got a flaw, now I'm interested in you. What's right. uh, what's that all about? You know, why are you, you know, why are you feeling that way? Why, you know, what's, where's that coming from? So I, I find that kind of stuff fascinating. Yeah. I've been unraveling a lot of fear publicly <laughs> for, for, yeah. for like a year now, maybe over a year, but it was so interesting because when I started my business in 2012, my about page sounds amazing. I'm all, I'm talking about being a fear buster. It's all about like mm-hmm. busting through fear. And now here I am in 2019 and 2018, like being like, Oh my gosh, I have so much fear. So I'm just like working through it. And I have to speak from that place. Cause mm-hmm. that's the only way I can show up. I can only share what I've got. And that's what I've got right now. And I love that about you because you're not coming, you're coming with it so honestly. And doesn't, don't you think that people just really appreciate that? Again, some people are going to be turned off by it, but people appreciate when we're really honest about the crap that we're dealing with. I think, I think the right people, the people that are meant to be in your life and you're meant to be in theirs are just totally going to get it. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. I'm not for you. Yep. I totally agree. So okay. that's what the shadow thing is all about. Okay. So heal yourself. What I'm interested in that sentence is self. Like, what is the self? I don't know how deep you want to get into that, but that's like right where my mind goes when I read heal yourself. Right. Well, you know, people can identify that whatever way they want. And for me, when I speak of healing myself, I really mean, you know, the inner, the inner parts of me, my, my essence, my, you know, what do you want to call it? Your soul, your, your personality, you know, I mean, there's many different ways you can look at it. And I think oftentimes, especially for people who work in industries like we do, we're busy healing everybody else. We're busy helping everybody, and that can be a great way not to work on you. So I look at that as really an opportunity to, you know, work on you. So that's what the book is also about as well. Let's, let's go into those dark spots. Let's face that stuff. Let's find a way to really take care of ourselves so we can show up in the world much better. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. How would tarot help someone with a healing process? Is the book going to walk them through self-healing? We've got a couple different things we're doing in the book. Um, so some we've got like, it's not just a tarot book, first of all, let me make sure I, I'm really clear about that. We have other things in there, other modalities. Like we talk about things like, you know, um, meditation. We talk about EFT. We talk about, um, you know, working with different rituals that might be helpful into your self-care practice. And then we have different things with tarot. First of all, we have some tarot spreads for different things that people struggle with. We have a tarot spread for grieving. We have a tarot spread for a section on addiction because addiction is big right now. And addiction is one of my, um, 
is one of my pet causes, so to speak, because it's touched my life so deeply. And I've lost many friends through, unfortunately, the uh, opioid problems and one of my closest friends not that long ago. So we've got stuff like that. So people can like get introspective and again, get in there and try to really understand themselves. We also work with the archetypes, the major arcana, because looking at the archetype, you can find the archetype that represents you. And that can also give you some insights into, you know, how you show up in the world as the best part of that archetype and what the shadow sign might be and, and how that might be something to work on as well. Yeah, those really go together. I think these all work together really well, actually. That transform the world. Like let's 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 finish this thing off and talk about transform the world. How how, how? with tarot by healing ourselves, by confronting the shadow, or all of the above? Well, the world has a shadow too. Absolutely. I mean, the world has a shadow. We're seeing a lot of that right now in the world. And, you know, one of our, our thoughts behind all this stuff is like, look, instead of sitting there and just bitching about it, you need to get involved. You need to create the world that you want. And so, first of all, you take care of you. But then the second thing that you have to do is you have to speak up. You have to get out there, whether that means being on the front line of a political thing, whether that means being behind the scenes, you know, signing petitions. You've got to find your voice and your way to show up and help help the world deal with its shadow. So the part of the book um, about the world, we cover things about social justice, about getting involved in politics, um, why you should do that, how to be an ally. You know, um, So all that stuff is really important. It's all modern day things that we need to work on because again, right now we're seeing a lot of shadow stuff in the world. A lot. I see a lot of it being transformed too. And this is very yep. weird. This is very weird to say, but my audience will not be surprised to hear me say it. I see it happening on Twitter. I, I mm-hmm. like when, when black Twitter like rose yes. up as, as a white woman, I was like, I think I need to shut up <laughs> and pay attention to this. It's been life-changing really absolutely truly just to watch just to listen and be like oh my watch the videos listen to what they're saying some of it comes is coming from a lot of anger so it's very confrontational to hear sometimes but that's when I really pay attention well again it's that righteous anger they have every right to be pissed off. And so I agree with you on Twitter. Twitter is my favorite social media uh, platform. And oftentimes, you know, I'm not just looking at tarot stuff. I love seeing what's going on with politics. I follow a lot of different people um, because I like their thoughts. And, you know, like I like Feminista Jones. I think she's really interesting and fascinating. Desiree Attaway, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, is doing some great work around, um, you know, dealing with issues around people of color. And I've also, like you, I've learned so much because I like following, you know, black Twitter. I like following the LGBTQ community on Twitter. That's how I'm learning all these things. You know, it's really helping me to stay aware. I never, here's one thing I think is a problem for people too. We want to tune things out because it's really ugly to look at the shadow or at what's happening in the world. But I never want to be one of those people who tunes things out. I always want to be aware of what's going on even if it's something I don't agree with, I want to be aware of what's going on so that I can, again, know how to show up in the world. And part of also the work that we're doing in Tarot for Troubled Times is we're showing you how to also use your archetype 
to show up in a way that's going to make sense for you. I'm going to use myself as an example. So my archetype, we do them through the birth cards technique, which is something that Mary Greer wrote in a book called Who Are You in the Tarot? And that's a book, by the way, everybody should have because I love some Mary Greer. I love her too, but I'd have never heard of that book. Oh my God, it's so good. Who Are You in the Tarot? Yes, everyone needs to have that book because it's all about the tarot birth cards. So we, um, using Mary's technique, we come up, you know, with our version of the shadow work and yada, yada, yada. But also for politics, if you're going to get involved, knowing your archetype can really help you to fine tune the best way for you to get involved in the world. And here's my example. So when you add up my birth date, it becomes the number 11, which is justice. And back when I was younger, you know, um, and by the way, politically, just for people who are curious, I'm an anarchist. I've been an anarchist since I've been 14, and I used to work on an anarchist newspaper. So back in the day, you know, I was really in full-blown justice mode. It was a time where there was a lot of gentrification going on, and homeless people were being displaced. And so I was on the front lines taking pictures, getting involved in riots and all that stuff. And, you know, what ended up happening, and I'm actually really introverted, so I, I find it interesting that I was doing that back then. The introverted anarchist. I know. So, but anyhow, I ended up getting arrested at a demonstration for homeless people. And, you know, I went to jail for a couple of days, and so I had some time to think. And I found myself saying, you know what, I don't like this. This isn't me. Well, when you take justice, and if you use it with the Rider Waite Smith number, uh, justice is 11, you can reduce it down to two. What is two? Two is the high priestess. And so after I was done with that whole stint, I went into my tarot career, which is totally high priestess. That's my other archetype. And I find for politics, I love to function very much like the high priestess. I love sharing information. I like doing things behind the scenes. I love donating money to good causes. Uh, You know, so those are things that are really more appropriate for my introverted nature. Share the info. Educate people about what's going on. Um, Share your knowledge. Do things behind the scenes. I, I don't need to be on the front lines you know, getting arrested. That that might be better for someone else who's a lot younger and really likes that energy. And to some degree, that justice part is still very strong uh, because when I see someone doing a wrong, I feel pretty outraged. But I found that the high priestess energy works better for me at this stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. So, how do people find that number? They add up their month, their birthday. They're, and their year. Mm-hmm. So it's a lifelong thing. It's a lifelong thing. And it's really interesting doing it for world leaders. Like if you add a president, former President Obama's, his is a justice number, I believe. I, I don't remember anywhere, but I think it's justice. And then if you add a um, Donald Trump's, his is the emperor. Isn't that interesting? It's almost too spot on. Yeah. So I find it fascinating. <laughs> and I think that's a great practice, you know, because when we look at like world leaders, um, we have an idea then, are they operating with the shadow side of this? Because what is the good side of justice? Well, justice means you're fighting against injustice. What's the bad side? Well, it's about being self-righteous. Um, so what about, what about, uh, the emperor? Well, the good side is about order security. What's the bad side? Well, it's being a dictator. Yes. Yes. I think one of the cultural shadows, this is interesting. I, I'm 
cultural shadows fascinate me. And something that I see happening is if you say something like cultural shadows, it just starts spreading and people start identifying it everywhere. Or when a word, I remember when shadow work kind of like had its Mm -hmm. moment and then everybody's talking about shadow work, but it's in this sort of like projecting way. (laughs) They're identifying everybody else's shadow, but their own or spiritual bypass. I noticed like, it's like, Oh, everybody's spiritual bypassing, but me. And there's this kind of strange, the call out cultures can be, can be, it's powerful. It's important, but also there's this flip side that's to me, bizarrely self-righteous and and it starts getting very petty and it's like, there really is a shadow to every light component. Absolutely. And we've got to like really examine that deeply and not be afraid of it. You know, the one thing is, um, I do have a Libra rising, which is very much justice, believe me. Yes. And so for me, fairness and decency are really important. And oftentimes, you know, I deal with people who come from a very different mindset or uh, maybe they see some of the political things that I talk about and get upset. And I'm always about listening to all sides. I may not agree, but I'm always going to listen. I'm going to be always like respectful. And what I don't like in the current climate is how there's so much vitriol and people being, I mean, how that's not productive. If we're going to really truly find a way to coexist, we've got to find ways to listen, even if we don't like what's being said, um, and see if we can find common ground. If we can't find common ground, well, how can we then figure out a way so that everybody can live in harmony? I think it can be done. I'm idealistic like that. Now I'm sounding like John Lennon, but no, I will. Well, the Libra in me loves it. I have Libra son. So I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I always think that I mean, my family, their political beliefs are very different than mine. We can coexist though. We can get along. It's all right. You don't have to have the same beliefs. I've got very good friends who are very different in their belief systems than mine. Uh, some of my relatives are hyper-religious. I'm not, you know, but you can find a way to be with people and break bread if they look differently than you, if they have different points of view, if they have different beliefs. I'm a firm believer that you can find a way to at the very least sit down, break bread, and let's find some common ground and understanding. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your belief system is, what your politics are. We all want the same things. We want shelter. We want a full belly. We want access to good education and health care. We want a roof over our head. We want meaningful work. And we want to be loved. It really all comes down to that. We all really want to be loved. If we can find a way to remember that when we are dealing with people who may be acting in a way that we don't like, everybody ultimately, we want to be loved. That's what it boils down to. I think the transform the world piece of the equation too can be it can just start with you and the way that you react to people in your own family or online yep. and, and just and also I would I would also say like tarot is very handy for this because it just gives uh-huh. you an opportunity to pause before you react yes Oh, my God. Same with meditation. This cat is going to be coming back in again and starting some troubles. If you hear any meowing and crying, it's not me beating anybody. It's this cat (laughs) deciding to get involved. But, yeah, no, you're totally right on that. 
Totally, totally right. I think tarot, it, it's such a lovely tool for introspection. It's such a lovely tool to, you know, help you to get inside your own head and to ask good questions. Because I find sometimes when I pull a tarot card for myself, if I'm dealing with whatever, I'm not looking at it like, oh, let me just predict something. I'm looking at it as an opportunity to question myself. And I think it's so important to question everything and especially to question yourself. Think about how many of us go through things and we're not... We're never questioning our agendas, our motives, our emotions, our triggers. We're just going to react or we're going to do something. I'm always questioning everything, which, you know, is kind of annoying if you have to live with me, but I think it's important to do that, and tarot's a great tool for it. You know, we pull, like, for example, I just pulled the Two of Pentacles, and let's say I want to look at this as a tool to question. What I might be asking myself as I look at the figure doing the balancing act how am I bringing balance and harmony into my life? How am I bringing balance and harmony in the world? What is creating imbalance in my life? And why am I allowing that imbalance to continue? Now I've got something to work with just by asking those questions. And the cards could be a prompt for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you find that there's value even when you're a tarot reader in hiring someone else to read for you, if you have a a particular issue or do you feel like, yes. Okay. And I think it's really, well, first of all, if you're too emotionally invested in something in the outcome you want, you're never going to get a straight answer. So on occasion, I will, you know, reach out to a different reader if I am having trouble seeing things. Uh, I find that I work better with astrologers, though, because oftentimes when I hire another tarot reader, they, they, they get really weird about reading for me. I'm like, come on. I'm the most boring person to read for. But you are and, the, the tarot lady. <laughs> I know, but you know what, then? It really does... It's like, I wish I want them to just realize that it's not going to be that big of a deal. I'm not grading you on this reading. I'm coming to you for guidance, damn it. So I tend to go to astrologers instead because they usually, astrology is all math and it's usually not emotional. And so they're not coming into it with anything except like dragnet, just the facts, ma'am. And so I tend to have better luck with astrologers. That's interesting because I read on your website that you said astrology is your first love. Yeah, actually it is. I got to tarot through astrology. Right. So I came the other way around. Uh, actually, when I was a teenager, like most teenagers, I was confused and full of angst. And uh, I had a friend, and her mother was really unusual. She was a pianist. She was a psychologist. And she was also really into astrology. And so she ended up doing my astrology chart. I'm like, wow. Well, this makes a lot of damn sense. And so I got really into it right away, and I started studying astrology. And uh, one time we were at... Uh, the mall and I went to the bookstore and I was going to look for an astrology book and I saw a tarot deck and I had seen tarot decks in the movie so I'm like you know what that thing's going home with me it was just a whim and I took those deck that deck home and I got to tell you I started fiddling around with it and I was just drawn in I was so fascinated and I'm a very visual person so watching how the images went together and the stories they were telling um, I just fell madly in love with it but I've always had a relationship with astrology too so I'm I like to say I'm fluent in both languages yeah and the well and they they inform each other which is really yeah. fun they work well together you know sometimes like if I'm doing a reading I'll do a quick glance at the astrology chart, but sometimes people are looking for something and sometimes I need to go to the astrology to look for it, to get like, 
any emotions out of it and just look at the math. Again, just the facts, ma'am. And by the way, when I do astrology, just for the record, I really only use it for business. I love astrology for all the deep personal insights, but the way I actually use it mostly is for my business. I plan everything by astrology. It works amazing. Well, let's just segue then into talking about astrology for real life because you have not one, but two new books coming out. (laughs) And I will tell people writing two books in one year is insane. Don't do that. (laughs) In In addition to doing your podcast, tweeting, like... I don't even, I don't, how do you do all of this woman? Your blog is so prolific. You're always supporting other people, finding new people, giving them shout outs, the most lovely, sincere shout outs, pointing to the most lovely, sincere people. I mean, do you sleep? I do. I'm actually just highly organized. I have three planets in Virgo. Of course I am. Mm. I'm exceptionally organized. You know, it's really funny because I'm a real classic Gemini and I actually, back in the day before I reformed myself, was really flaky. And I really went with that that side of my Gemini personality for a while. And I was just kind of like, you know, a lot of wanderlust, floating around. And one year I lost a bill and I couldn't find it. I tore the house upside down. I finally found it. And I said, I need to get organized. And that was it. I got hyper-organized and tapped into the Virgo energy that's present in my chart. I've got three planets in Virgo, three in Gemini. You know, so I got a lot of Mercury energy. How am I going to use it? How am I going to use it wisely? And part of the brilliance about astrology is when you recognize what's going on in your chart, where your skills are, and where the potential problems are, you can always choose the high vibe or the low vibe. And I decided I'm not going to be a flaky Gemini anymore. I'm going to use my Gemini thing for communication. That's going to do the writing. But I'm going to be organized organized to the teeth like a Virgo. And so my, um, I wish my desk was more organized, but my schedule is extremely, extremely organized. Everything goes on the calendar. Everything's written down. Um, and when I put something on a calendar, it happens. So everything happens in a certain way. And I, I work very methodically. That's how I get so much done. You know what? I feel like I, mentally projected you into New York City like it really surprised me when you said I'm not on the I'm not on the East Coast I was like you're not in my mind you're like this super busy bustling like New York City witch and I think maybe just everything you said just now is why I think I just sort of energetically moved you over there in my mind well, I used to live in New York, so actually you're picking up on something right. I love New York. I'm going there in two weeks, and I love New York. You know, Joanna, uh, when I landed in New York the first time, and I was very young, as soon as I landed there, I said, this is the first time I really feel like myself. Mm. And I always say I feel more like myself when I'm in New York than anywhere in the world. Something about that place. Yes, it is. I very briefly lived there when I was young, and I I also found it defied the cliches, for example, that people are angry and mean. Maybe it's because I was cute and young. I don't know, but I did not find that to be true. I thought people were really personable, actually. They're real. What you see is what you get, and those are the kind of people I like the best. No one puts on airs in New York. I mean, sometimes, yeah, they're a little hardcore, but you know what? I like that. I, I would rather have someone hardcore, and I know what your boundaries are, instead of you giving me some fake shit. Yeah. So I love New Yorkers. And, you know, I still have friends, my New York, in fact, when I go to New York, I go for the tarot conference, but I always end up carving out extra days to hang out with all my old buddies that were still friends to this day. And that's like over 30 years ago. Oh, I love it. What was your first deck? 
My first deck was the Marseille's deck. Oh, okay. All right. Now remember, I'm in, I'm in a, I was grew up in a small town, and back in the day, we're talking 1980. There weren't many decks available, and at the store, the Marseilles was the first, the only deck there. That's what I started with. Can you believe what has happened? In terms of tarot decks, I, I can't keep up anymore. For a while there, I was like, "Wow, I wanted to see everything," and then I was just like, "I give up. I can't. I can't keep up with the flow of new tarot and oracle decks." You can't. And actually, you know what's really interesting is my second deck was a Rider Waite Smith deck, and I like that a lot better because I'm visual, and so the images are so visual. They just really beautifully illustrate, you know, the human experience. I've got tons of decks, but I always end up going back to the Rider Waite Smith deck. Mm-hmm. I just do. It's a classic. So, I love that system, and I do not own a, an actual Rider Waite Smith deck. Is that so funny? Like, I only buy decks that follow that system, and and some of them are very, I mean, just slightly different than the original. But it's funny that I don't own the original. I should get that sometime. Well, which deck do you work with? Well, the Terra Illuminati is my favorite. I, That's a beautiful deck. I, I think it's because I'm such a movie nut and it has a cinematic quality to it that I, I love. I mean, it kind of looks like Game of Thrones a little bit, too. Like, you can just imagine the characters getting up and moving around. But I also have a deck that I was not into it at all. So I threw it in my kitchen when I first got it. And I was like, eh, I'll just mess around with this when I'm in my kitchen. And it's actually... Please forgive me if you're the creator of this deck, (laughs) because I've come to love it, but it's the Herbal Tarot, and it's very, very similar to the Rider Waite deck, Mm -hmm. but it has, like, little herbs woven in, and I guess I got it because I wanted to learn about herbalism, and Mm -hmm. and when I first opened it, I was like, I don't know, but now it's just, when you're not precious with the deck, I've found you can learn a lot more from it. Mm-hmm. Well, like when I have a really beautiful deck, it will just sit there because I'm afraid to mess it up. But there was some magic in throwing it in the kitchen and not worrying if I got sauce on it. Right on. You know, my favorite deck is the Baroque Bohemian Cats Tarot. Oh, I love that. Oh my God. It's so, and here's, and this is what really surprises people. I think because, you know, the tarot lady, they always assume I'm going to be really serious and scholarly. I'm like, that's not me. This deck has cats with Victorian clothing. Mm-hmm. How adorable is it? I love that deck so much. I mean, and, and I've got two copies of it, and they are like treasured possessions, and nobody gets to touch them. I just love that deck. I enjoy reading for myself for it. That's my personal deck. I love that deck. It makes me smile. Even when you're looking at the, the kind of scarier images, it makes me Smile! I just want to hug that deck. I yeah, love it. I think it's a great reminder too. Like when you're using a deck that's whimsical like that, is not to take yourself so seriously. Yeah, and you shouldn't take yourself too seriously, anyways. And you know, while I do respect people who write really scholarly things about tarot, I got to have some humor, otherwise, you know, it doesn't work for me. I need humor. Mm-hmm. I just got to interview. Lon Milo Duquette and I I just yeah I mean he's written so many books about you know Kabbalah and Enochian magic and Aleister Crowley these subjects that are usually usually approached with such seriousness but when you're speaking with him and and reading his work he's such a joyful light light person and I was like and that's yes you know he's 71 now or I think about to turn 71 and he's so childlike and I just love that 
Have you read Damien Eccles' book, High Magic? No, I ha- wait. I have it, but I have I I put it down. I pick it up and I put it down, and I pick it up and I put it down. That's what I do with that book too. It's like I read little bits and I got to absorb it, then I come back to it. He, he's an amazing amazing magician and I think his book is fabulous and he writes about it in a way that it's both really intellectual but it's very down to earth which I love I really appreciate that that's where the spiritual community is headed as well I I, and again I credit the internet for this I feel like it's created a democracy for art like we are now living in an artistic democracy where not only can anybody create a tarot deck or a movie Mm -hmm. or a book and put it out themselves but it's actually changing the the industry like i you know like the movie industry is a great example they're seeing you know like black lives matter or this i guess yeah. as an example some hashtag take off and they're like hmm i guess people care about this you know maybe we should make something to address it so it's fascinating to watch the people power the people power happening because of the internet well, you know what's really also interesting about the internet? It's giving everybody a seat at the table. Yes. Doesn't mean we all have to like agree. It doesn't mean that we have to work with the same decks. I mean, people are recognizing now that we have lots of choices, lots of options. Uh, and I think it's really great for the public, for the tarot community to be represented as diverse as possible, which by the way, I'm actually recording a, a panel where we're going to be talking about um, inclusivity in the tarot industry because it is, I think it's such a good thing uh, to have all this representation because you know what? Not everybody wants to come to, to me, they want somebody maybe who looks like them or maybe who has a similar belief system or orientation so um, they can feel that they can relate to them. And I'm okay with that. The more the merrier. There's a lot of work to go around and there's lots of people who need different things or, or who want decks that have images that represent them. Let's make that stuff happen. Let's make it available. And I think it's awesome. The internet is amazing. Oh my gosh. I, there's a trans model on Project Runway and she's so happy to be there. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. this is from the internet. This happened because of people power. <laughs> like, She's beautiful. And I'm like, and you're seeing this now in tarot cards as well. Right. Absolutely. And it's good. It's a good thing. What's one of your favorite decks that way? For diversity? Yes. Well, I like the Sun Moon Tarot. And the Sun Moon Tarot, it's so deceptively simple because the images, um, they don't have any faces on, but they have all different colors. And I'm like, that's very interesting. So I think it represents really beautifully. And I think because there's no picture, there's no, like, the faces aren't drawn out. It's very neutral. So you can kind of, like, feel out what you think um, the images or the, the figures are thinking without somebody, like, making it for you, so to speak. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I love that deck. Uh, I'm trying to think which other one. I think the Onyx Dust is something of like an instant icon. I just got that deck recently, and I used it for my new moon readings. And I got to tell you, oh, my God, that deck reads like a dream. I think Dust to Onyx deck, what Courtney Alexander's created, is brilliant. Um, What else? I'm just trying to think off the top of my head like that. But, yeah, hers is good. Oh, you know what I got? I got this new Melanated Tarot. Let me look at it. I I just got this one. And, anyhow, the Melanated Classic Tarot, it's inspired by the Rider-Waite-Smith. So, it is the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, but it's all people of color. Oh, I saw. I think I saw that on Twitter. What a great deck. And I'll tell you why. Because, again, 
I, you know, I'm in Milwaukee. We have a large African-American population here. Not everybody wants to look at a damn white tarot deck. And or go to a white reader, but they and still here, want to benefit from all of that wisdom yeah. and the symbolism that's baked into that particular system as well. I think yes. it's important. And this is a really gorgeous deck. In fact, I don't know if you can see this because um, you're you're looking at me at video for me. Look at the lovers. Mm. How fabulous is that? So I just got this one. I've been playing with this deck, and it reads really well. The only thing is, deck creators, please put your decks on thicker paper. Please. That is something I hear hear people complain about that a lot. Oh, my God. It drives me nuts. When I get something that doesn't have a thick paper, I'm really... I'm really salty about it. So I wish that was on a little bit thicker paper because it's a really well, it's a beautiful deck. I have a weird thing that I like that I notice a lot of people don't like. I like like slick cards. My my Aquarius tarot is, is it's almost laminated. It's so slick and I just kind of love it. <laughs> I yeah. like the way it like slips around in my hand. I like a deck that's really new. I don't like an old deck. In fact, today I'm getting a brand new Radiant Rider Waite Smith deck because the other one's getting bent edges. But I love them when they're new and they just slide really well. So I'm with you on that. If it's laminated, if it slides, it feels good in the hands. Mm-hmm. Like a good knife. Yeah. Well, when we were speaking just now about diversity, it was it was sending my mind back to this topic of cultural shadows, I think, and you were talking about politics and how people were upset about this recent election and how that's pretty common. I think the reason it's very intense right now, and this is just my own opinion, mm-hmm. which take it for what, for what it's worth, but I think it's because we lived, and this, I, I say this all the time, I am a, I'm a blonde, white, California woman who mm-hmm. has benefited a lot from white privilege. And I grew up in a world that was white. The magazines mm-hmm. were white. The movies were white. The TV shows were white. But I actually moved to Los Angeles in my late teens to get away from that. I wanted to be around mm-hmm. all different kinds of people. I found that very exciting. And I felt like a naive fool, like the first 10 years I was here. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, I think for some people, it's just a shock to the system now that that all this diversity is rushing in. It's a lot of change for some older people or people that are just used to things being a certain way that benefit them. And now what does it mean? You know, that it's just changing so fast. It's just such a quick shift that I, I just, for them it is for them. Yes. They weren't, I don't think they saw it coming. No, but you know what was interesting for me? I remember I grew up in a, in a rural area, so it was very white and I remember many years ago, I was about five or six years old, we went to the Goodwill. The Goodwill was in the city. And when we went to the Goodwill, there were a lot of black people in there. And that's the first time I ever saw black people up close. And so our parents let us go wander off. Now imagine that in this day and age. So we were wandering off by all the used toys and there was a little black girl there and her and I locked eyes, and we were fascinated with each other. So I'm assuming I might have been the first white person, she said. And she was ever seen. And she was about my age, five years old. And the next thing you know, we're giggling, we're exchanging our hats, we're like, you know, just fascinated with each other, you know, until it was time to leave. And I just remember that so vividly. And so as soon as I was able to get out of the country and get into the city, I made a beeline for the city because I didn't want to be around 
you know, well, I never fit into the, by the way, I never fit into that rural area. Oh my God. Take me into the rural area. I'm telling you right now, girl, it is not a good thing. I am, I like panic. So as soon as I got to the city, I'm like, I never look back. I love being in the city because it's diverse. Uh, So I've been around all of that diversity for so long that for me, I never even think twice about it. Mm -hmm. But for some people, it is for older people, it's scary. But you know, what I love is that my children grew up with so much diversity that it was so fascinating when they were like going to college and I would watch them with their friends and they, they have such a, uh, you know, again, diverse group of friends and there's no weirdness about it. There's nothing like a need to announce, you know, anything, just everything is very matter of fact. And I think for the younger generation and for people, a lot of people in my generation, not some, um, we've just really had the benefit of having that diversity. And I also like to thank television for that. You know, I grew up watching the Jackson five and watching, you know, good times and watching, you know, all these shows that would have uh, different lives on there. And so it really opened my mind to a lot of things and music. I mean, I remember getting MTV and, and seeing Rick James and thinking, how cool is this dude? Mm-hmm. You know, so I just feel very blessed that I've been able to do that. But I think you're right. I think there's a lot of older people who are really struggling with that. And to them, it seems like it is coming up fast. But for my kids, they had it all along. So it's not a big deal. Right. I loved that with my son. I, he grew up here. And it's it's not just a black or white issue. We have every shade in between. Yes. We have Asians, Indians, Armenians. Yep. So many. It's just so culturally rich. And one of my son's first words, he didn't really speak till he was six. And even then he just had very, just very few words. And one of them was Luna because, yeah, I mean, people just speak Spanish around here. And, and I just like that. It's just so expanding when you grow up in such a limited way to... Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) We have a large, uh, also uh, a large uh, Hispanic population here, too. And also, you know, we have a great LGBTQ uh, scene here in Milwaukee. And, you know, so my kids also, they, they grew up with... Uh, not just people of color, but also they've grown up with uh, LGBTQ people around them. So, you know, having that kind of experience, I think, is very good for children. Yes, I remember it it probably was over 10 years ago now, but it was a big big turn when my dad one day just said, you know, I think gay people are born that way. (laughs) I was just like, what? What just happened? What just happened? Wow. It was, it was a moment. I will always remember it. And it's a good moment. I mean, I think all this stuff that we're seeing um, so brilliantly in the media is allowing a lot of people to really become more open-minded. You know, a couple of years ago, I got into a fight with an astrologer and I said, you know, in our, in our lifetime, we're going to see uh, gay marriage. We're going to see that happen. It's going to become legal. And we're also going to see weed getting legalized. And he told me I was nuts and thought I just sucked. And I really laugh now when I think about that because so much has changed and that conversation, I think, was about maybe eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So much has changed. And yes. it is changing. And the world is changing. And it's time for for people to stop fighting it. And I think what we're also seeing is there are a lot of people who are fighting the change because they're very scared. They're scared now that they're not, that they're not going to be 
included, but it's like, but you've been included all along. The you've whole been time. Yes. Nobody's kicking you out. You're still part of the equation. We're just, we're just in, in, inviting more people to the party. As it should be. And it's, because, good, for, it's good for you too, who, yeah. you know, because you're seeing different varieties of beauty and creativity that you might not be exposed to. It's good for everyone. Yes, absolutely. I'm all about that. Okay, I have a question for you from Discord. This morning on Discord, I said I was going to interview you today. And and Sarah piped up with a question. So it's actually multiple parts. She said, does she read for friends, tarot cards? Why or why not? Not like like a freebie, but does she have an ethical concern reading for someone that she's emotionally vested in? Absolutely no problem. In fact, um, my daughter, I'll use her as an example, she's gone to lots of different readers and she says, "Eh, I just prefer to come by you because I know you're going to give me the straight truth. And so when I do readings for people I love and people I know, I'm in a very different mind frame. It's like, again, I like to say it's it's like Dragnet, just the facts, (laughs) ma'am. There's never, ever an emotional, um, there's never, ever an emotional invested outcome. Ever. Not, it doesn't matter who I'm reading for. You can be my best friend. You can be my child. You can be my partner. As soon as I'm in reading mode, I'm in a very, very different mindset. And I'm very good, actually, at separating my emotions uh, for my work. And that's because when I was young, I actually broke my leg when I was two. I was in the hospital for like six weeks in traction, and my parents had to leave me there. Now, that was a horrible experience for a two-year-old, but it taught me how to uh, disconnect. So uh, my emotions get completely disconnected when I do the reading. That doesn't mean I'm not being compassionate. My compassion, my empathy, my intuition is there, but my emotional investment is gone. So I read for people that I love all the time. That's interesting. I feel like your Virgo probably helps you with that too. Yeah, it does. Also, I've got a moon in Scorpio. Oh, me too, lady. High five. Fast move. I love my moon in Scorpio. I have moon in Scorpio pride. (laughs) I do too, and it gets a bum rap, and I'm like, listen, this is a great moon, so I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) But, you know, again, um, I think for a tarot reader, if you're going to read professionally, you have to make sure that you have a way to make sure that you're not filtering things through what you want to see in the reading. You just got to, like, look at what you see tell the truth and so again my daughter won't go to anybody else anymore and she's gone to readers all over thinking that she shouldn't go to her mom and now she only goes here Mm. so i I would say that advice applies to when you're reading for yourself yes you got to get out of your way otherwise what's going to happen you're going to see what you want to see or see what you don't want to see i find the simplest affirmation is i am willing to see the truth Yes. It's kind of like reading for yourself. It's like when I, here's why sometimes I don't like to do it. I'll do it for myself, but it's kind of like when I'm not feeling well, then I go on WebMD and I find the worst thing possible. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm invested in figuring out what's wrong and, you know, oh my God, something, you know, so it's the same thing with tarot. It's like, if you're too invested, you know, for me, either you go see what you want to hear or for me, I'm going to find the worst thing there. Yeah. I err on the other side. I'm like, how is this working out for my favor? <laughs> you know, always. <laughs> I take the pro-noia approach. Right on. I love that. Yeah, it's good. It's helpful. Um, so I'm trying to wrap this up, but really quick, astrology for real life. Can you give us an idea about that? Like what, what to expect? 
Absolutely. So um, a couple of years, I've taught astrology many times over the years. And a couple of years ago, I had a friend who wanted to learn astrology. And I'm like, look, I, I, I'm not going to sit down and teach you it. So I'm just going to go create this blog series for you. So I created the blog series really just for one person. And it's called Star School. It's the intro to astrology. Oh, it's fabulous. I highly recommend Thank people you. check that out. Thank you. And, you know, it's actually uh, one of the most popular features on my blog. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And my forecasts and horoscopes that I do every month, too, are also really super popular. So, um, you know, I started coming up with the idea, well, maybe I need to write an astrology book. And someone asked me, they said, do you think you could write an astrology book? I said, "Uh, yeah, I think I could. And so basically what astrology for real life is, it is a, I call it the gateway for the tarot, for the astrology curious people. Uh, It's fun, it's lighthearted, but it's really going to help you to understand how to read a chart. It it covers all the basics and it covers, of course, a couple things that are a little more, um, intermediate but I do it in a way that's very playful that's very fun I take all the intimidation out of it because one of the things that I find with a lot of astrology books is that they really do intimidate people they talk over people's head and then people feel they're too stupid to get astrology and I'm like no 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 you just need to talk to you from someone who speaks the language but can bring it into your lingo and so I you know hope that it's going to help beginners really realize that it's not that hard it's just a matter of looking at patterns and that's all it is, and it's really fun, and it's fascinating, and you can, this is a good thing to study for the rest of your life, because you know what, you can study astrology as long as I have, I still learn new things, and that's because I'm just really curious about it, so I'm, I'm just hoping that it's going to be a fun exploration for, again, people who feel intimidated. It's the same thing behind the tarot coloring book. A lot of people are really nervous about tarot. They think they'll never get it. They're not intuitive enough. They're not smart enough. They can't remember all those cards. Well, the coloring book is a fun way to learn. And astrology for real life, it's got a little bit of a workbook component to it. It's for people who feel intimidated. So it's very modern lingo, and it's fun. I hope so. Mm, The tarot coloring book is so popular. Thank you. I loved working with Sounds True for that book. What a beautiful gift for for kids, too, to get started. Like, not even if you don't know what you're looking at, just to spend that concentrated amount of time, like, coloring it in. It's it's sinking into your your brain. Yeah, and for people who are, like, experiential learners like me, um, things like that or workbooks, you know, that's the stuff that really helps you to, like, get that stuff in your your skull. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what, when does Astrology for Real Life come out? That's coming out October 1st. Okay, so in the fall, and then cultural, or excuse me, cultural shows, tarot, tarot for troubled times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my tongue got away from me. <laughs> what, when is that? That's like about to come out any second now, right? July 1st. Oh, July 1st. All right, everybody, we got a yep. book for the summer, we got a book for, for the fall. And I'm working on a new book proposal because I'm crazy. Oh, my goodness. Well, I can't wait to see what that's going to be. We'll see if it gets accepted. That's always the one thing. You can have an idea, but you never know. So we'll see. I will definitely be linking to to your website in the show notes, but a lot of people listen to this on the go. So can, can you tell us your URL for people to look you up? Absolutely. I am so easy to find. You go to thetarolady.com, and you can find me all over social media. Just look for The Tarot Lady. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, which is my favorite. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I'm very friendly. So say hi. Yay. Okay, so before I let you go, I have one more question. 
what is, what is, and you probably answered this before, but I don't remember what your answer is. And you probably don't remember what your answer is. And hopefully you'll give us an entirely different answer this time. (laughs) What is your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Mm. The one thing for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams, always be honest, always be honest. I mean, that's so simple, but it's so important when you are honest about who you are, what you want, what your agenda is, when you're honest about your feelings, you know, your life just becomes simpler and simple's good. Yeah. So just be honest. Start with being honest with yourself. Yes, absolutely. So honesty is the best policy. Thank you so much. This was fabulous. Thank you so much for having me, Joanna. It has been a blast. Much love, everybody. Peace. So that was fun. That was fun. You're running over to go pre-order Tarot for Troubled Times right now, aren't you? Aren't you? Don't forget there's a link around here (laughs) if you want to pre-order that. And also, I think I forgot to mention about the the Tiptoe Chick uh, Tiptoe Chick is my Dumbledore, that t-shirt. I think it's only available for a couple weeks. So if you're listening to this podcast in a timely fashion and that interests you, you should definitely check out the link here and hop over there. I'm not affiliated with the witches in the woods or anything to do with the Tiptoe Chick t-shirt. I just think it's cool. I like to spread the word about things I think are cool including the song that I'm about to play for you from Lovers and Poets. So do you remember a while ago I played a song from a CD back in the back in the ancient pre-digital days. We had these silver discs, these magical silver discs that played music and we called them CDs. And I actually put together a compilation CD called LA Woman's Songbook 1. It was the 10 best female singer-songwriters in Los Angeles, according to me. And one of the women on this CD was Shannon Hurley. Her song, Garden Path, I loved it. So beautiful. I've been following Shannon on Twitter the last few years. Like, I found her again through Twitter. And I'm just so impressed that, like, Ellie Woman, she was she was a prolific artist long before I put this little compilation CD together. I just asked if I could, you know, use her song and put it on and put it on the record. I have nothing to do with her career whatsoever, <laughs> except for like that one little moment. But it's fun to now, many years later, see that she is still chugging along. I love her spirit and her tenacity. She is a hard-working woman in show business. She's just got a, she's just got a lot of guts and a lot of love for her art, and she's always making something new. So I was really happy to find her again on Twitter, and she is in a band with, I think, her husband called Lovers and Poets, and they have this lush, dreamy song called Life is Strange. And I asked her if I could play it for you all. And she said, yes. So that's how we're going to end the episode today with the song called Life is Strange by Lovers and Poets. And until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.